Thanks for, for being here today, letting uh, the bridge be a part of your weekend. And I'm just going to jump right into the Word of God today. In 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, verses 8 through 15, it's a story that I want to share with you, and it's going to be the story for today's message. Um, verse 8 says, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. Now, Israel is, um, is God's people. Um, how many have found out that it doesn't do you much good to fight against the Lord? <laughs> uh, you can say amen. Everybody say amen. amen. See, it's not that hard. You guys can do it. I promise. Um, but he's fighting, this, this King Aram, he's fighting against the people of God. It says, after conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such place. In other words, he pulled his military uh, leaders together and they strategized and they put a plan together um, in terms of how to build or beat their enemy. And the man of God, in this case is Elisha, the man of God sent word to the king of Israel. They were buddies. And uh, it says, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. And time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. He was kind of protecting him. He's kind of like, hey, you know, sometimes God knows a little bit more than we know. You know that? Um, but that's what's happened. He's, he's, he's kind of giving them the, the warning. This enraged, in verse 11, the king of Aram, and he summoned his officers and demanded of them, hey, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel. In other words, uh, which one of you are the traitor? Which one of you are sharing the secrets of where our men are? And the officer says, none of us, my lord, the king, but, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words that you speak in your bedroom. <laughs> Be careful what you're talking about in your bedroom. No, God knows what's going on. He knows what's happening. Okay, the king says, go find out where he is, the king ordered, so that I can send men and capture him. Then report back to me. And they reported back to him, and he says, he is in Dothan. And verse 14 says, then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. After one man, he sends all these people. This army. And they went by night and surrounded the city. They surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God, now this is the servant of Elisha. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, 
What shall we do? Have you ever been surrounded? Have you ever felt like there's no way out? No way out of the situation? You ever felt trapped? I shared this thought about five years ago, but I feel like God's wanting me to share this again. There are people here today that feel trapped. And everywhere that you look, everywhere that you're seeing, everywhere you see the enemy. My dad was, um, well, this is my opinion. He was the coolest guy ever. Um, just a really cool dude. He's neat, um, very influential um, big in stature and uh, just, um, he was cool. But sometimes, guys, he did some crazy things. <laughs> Saturday mornings were, a, were, a, were interesting at our household growing up. My dad had the most unusual ways of getting us up out of bed on Saturday mornings. You know, by the way, Saturday mornings is when most people sleep in. I'm just saying. And he, he would go get this wash rag, and he would fill it with cold water, Dan. And he would come over your bed, and of course you didn't know what was happening, and he would just take one little drop, Mike, and he'd let it drop on, on, on my face, you know. And, you know, I'm doing this or whatever. And then the next thing you know, I'm, I'm waking up a little bit. And if he felt like you were going to wake up before, he could squeeze the whole thing. He'd squeeze the whole thing right on you. But, but that was not so bad. Okay, uh, because sometimes you would wake up or, or, or you know, be kind of like, what in the world is going on? And all of a sudden, you'd be this big old crusty big toe right up here on your lip or underneath your nose. And oh my God, oh my God, that would wake you up. I promise, I promise. Uh, or he would take his whole body, six foot three, uh, you know, and he would just lay on top of you and smother you, Dan, to where, like, you know, it felt like a thousand pounds of dead weight uh, on top of you, and you're just like smothered, you know, to the point where you, you can't do anything, you can't breathe or whatever. And, and usually we get up pretty quick after all that stuff. I remember the way that our kitchen was designed. We, we would run through the kitchen. And the kitchen was designed, uh, uh, Kevin, where it had like half walls that were like surrounding the kitchen. It had an opening here and an opening here. But the half walls, you could like reach over. You could look over into the kitchen or whatever on both walls. And we would use that as like a track. I mean, like we'd be running through the kitchen, around the walls, and through the kitchen, around the walls. And usually um, my brothers were chasing me for no good reason. I'm just saying. But... <clears throat> I'll never forget my dad was messing with me and he was chasing me around that track and he was going at it and he was going at it. And I'm telling you something, you never knew, you never knew what he was going to do when he caught you. Um, just, I mean, my brother, my brother, oldest brother, Dan, on Saturday mornings, my dad used to like to watch um, wrestling at the chase. And, and there'd be this guy that'd come out with the, the claw, right? And he, oh, the claw. And he'd come out and he would grab the guy's head. And before too long, the guy's passed out. He's, he's put him in the sleeper hole, you know? And my brother dances, oh, pfft, 
that's a bunch of hogwash. That, that, that stuff doesn't, that's not real. Well, the next thing you know, my brother is just going down the wall like this. He's completely passed. I mean, like my dad puts the sleeper hold on his 16-year-old son. All right, and so now keep this in mind as my dad is chasing me around this kitchen as I'm wa- running through the, through the kitchen, around the walls or whatever, and I'm like, oh my God, what's he gonna do? <clears throat> Since he was so big, and, and I must have been at the age where I was you know, kind of getting to the point where I could take care of myself running anyway, you know, maybe nine or 10 years old, and I could beat him. Through there, and he knew that he wasn't going to catch me. So he stops and he's on the outside of that wall and he's reaching over, kind of looking in at me like this. He says, If I catch you, boy, you better watch out. Dude, I was freaking out. (laughs) I don't know if he was kind of upset that he couldn't catch me, but I don't know what was going on. That probably made it worse. And little did I know that while he was talking to me like that, and he was giving me my attention, he was fixing the chairs in the dining room back here behind him to put a barricade in there so that whenever I got out. So all of a sudden he says, while he's saying all this stuff, he takes off after me. And I took off running around that wall and only to find that I was trapped. I was trapped. I was trapped with no place to go. And of course, my dad got a big kick out of this. Uh, I had to go use the bathroom a little prematurely that particular day. But here we are at the bridge. And many of you, many of you have been introduced to Jesus Christ for the very first time here at the bridge. And I'm seriously so very proud of each and every one of you. Some of you are here Every single time the doors are open, whether that's to worship God on Sunday like today. Some of you have been here since early five something in the morning, uh, just preparing, many of you preparing for uh, this service. And, and whether it's, it's to come and pray on a prayer night like Wednesday night is, or to help clean the church, or, or to help set up uh, for, for your ministry that you're involved in, or to come feed the homeless, or, or to come to your life group. Whether that's uh, you bringing meals to sick people who need uh, your help, or, or somebody who has a baby or something like that, and, and you're out making sure that they got a meal uh, so that they can eat or whatever. Or, or you guys, you know, you're there uh, uh, come rain or shine on pickleball night, right? <laughs> and Tuesday nights, every other Tuesday night. Uh, and, and, but inevitably, guys, inevitably, we all find ourselves at a point where we're trapped. We feel, un, we feel surrounded. We, you're, you're, you're backed into a corner or whatever. And maybe you've lost your job, I don't know, or, or, or you and your spouse are just not seeing eye to eye. And that can be a scary thing. And, or, or, or your child is struggling at school with grades or with depression, God forbid. Uh, or, or, or maybe you've got a new boss and for some reason he or she doesn't like you. Or, or it's your health, you've got the word that there's something going on and you just you know got a bad report. I don't know the circumstances, but there's someone here today that you feel surrounded, you feel trapped, and there's no way out. I I, want to take just a few minutes today to teach, okay, to teach, and then we'll come back to the Elisha story. Um, The more, listen to me very closely, the more that you trust God, the more 
that you trust God, the more God is able to meet the needs in your life. But you must trust him. And the more you trust him, the more he's able to meet. And the more you trust him, the more he's able to meet. When, when you're surrounded, listen to me, trusting God, trusting God is the X factor, okay? It makes the biggest, it's the key that unlocks the power of the miraculous. I want you to remember that. It unlocks, trusting him unlocks the power of the miraculous. Matthew 9, 29, Jesus said, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. Now, I want you to read into that just for a second, okay? According to your faith. In other words, you get to choose. It's according to your faith. You get to choose how many needs are met in your life. You get to choose that. So, so how can I learn to trust God more? Especially when I'm surrounded. First of all, first of all, I want to say this. Don't just turn to God when you're trapped. All right? Trust him all the time. Trust him when everything's going great. Acknowledge him and trust him on the mountaintop, so to speak. All right? Faith is an interesting substance. You don't get it by um, just talking about it. You don't get it by just, you know, wishing and wishful thinking or whatever it is. Faith, faith, guys, is like a muscle. Okay? Everybody um, do this. Come on, everybody. Everybody do this. Faith is like a muscle. I, some of the girls reach over and feel the bicep of the guys just so that they feel better. It's good. I promise you, it'll, it'll go a long way. But, but faith is like a muscle, all right? Um, that means that it, it develops by being used, okay? You gotta use it. The more that you use a muscle, the stronger that it gets, right? And that's just like faith. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. Activate your faith in God every day, not just when you're surrounded. That's my first thought. For those here today, and you do feel surrounded, you feel surrounded by a relationship, you feel surrounded by the financial debt or overload or whatever, um, we call these circumstances of life trials. And however, um, if, you, if you allow him, and it's important now, if you allow him, God can use these trials in your life to strengthen your faith. He can use them to stretch your faith. He can use them to grow your faith. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, look what it says. These trials are only to test your faith to show that it is strong and pure. So the first trap that I want to talk to you about, I'm going to call it the pressure trap. When the pressure is mounting in your life, so to speak, will I depend on myself or will I depend on God? Okay, will, will I turn to other things or will I turn to God? In Psalm 50, 15, it says, I want you to trust me. I want you to pay close attention to that. God himself says, I want you to trust me. Hey, your back's up against the wall. I want you to trust in me. That's God telling you that. I want you to trust in me in your, in your times of troubles so that I can rescue you and you can give me glory. God says, I want you to turn to me. Yet we usually have God 
about ninth or tenth down on our list. We turn to everything else first. We'll turn to pills. We'll turn to, to calling a friend and complaining. We'll, talk, we'll, we'll, we'll turn to eating. We'll turn to shopping. We'll turn to drinking, whatever. And, and for guys, we, we sit down and we watch a game to kind of blank our mind out, right? Or, or we work out. That's what I do. <clears throat> that wasn't even a joke. Um, you guys are... <laughs> You guys aren't going to believe a word I say now. We all have these little stress relievers, and long about ninth or tenth, we start thinking about God. But even then, even then, when, when you feel trapped, you, you get in a hurry because you don't like feeling trapped. And so you're trying to get out of that as quick as possible. And if God doesn't instantly meet that need... You make up your own plan. We do this all the time as human beings, don't we? We shortcut or we short circuit God's will, God's blessing in our lives by, by, by going for the quick fix, if you will. And we don't even wait for God's will in our lives. Jeremiah chapter two, verse 13 says, my people have two evils. Now let's count them, okay? It says, first, they have turned away from me. And look who me was here. The spring of living water. Secondly, and they've dug their own wells, which are broken wells and don't even hold water. It's like, it's like, you're in this hot desert and you've gone without water for a drop of water for days. And you see this road sign standing with this big neon sign with arrows pointing, God's free, God's free, unlimited, um, um, everlasting, fulfilling, living water right here, right here. But you walk right by him and don't even ask for a drink. You ask the guy, in fact, that's standing there. You say, hey, can I, can I borrow your shovel? And you start digging your own well. And you're digging your own well. And you're digging your own well. And you're going to get your own water your own way. And even worse, even worse than that, you have the audacity as you're digging to ask God to bless your well. You, you go out and you get into some relationship that you know is wrong. And, and then you pray, oh God, please bless this relationship. Or, or you go out and you buy things that you, you don't need with money that you don't have and you get overextended into, the, into your credit and deep in debt. And then you come back to God and you say, God, bless my finances. I'm going to tell you guys, God's not going to do it. God's not going to bless all those other plans that you try to force him into. Instead, when you don't see a way out, what's the antidote? I'm telling you guys right now, if you're here today and you're walking 
uh, in darkness without a ray of light. Just like we sang today, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and, and, and rely upon God. When you feel trapped, God, listen to me very closely, God wants to see, are you going to turn to him or are you going to turn to other things? Second trap I'm going to talk about. The second trap, God bless you, is the people trap. Life can be um, disappointing at times. Not all the time, but sometimes it can be disappointing. Um, you know, things don't turn out the way we planned, or careers don't turn out the way we planned, or our marriages maybe don't turn out the way we planned. But, but one of the most disappointing things in life can be, it can be people. All right? You, you get disappointed in people. Listen to me very closely. You get disappointed in people when you expect them to meet the need in your life that only God can do. When you turn to a boyfriend or a girlfriend or, or a father or a mother or a husband or a wife or, or a friend and, and you expect them to meet your needs, I'm telling you something right now. You're setting yourself up for a massive disappointment. If only I could get married. Oh, man, that would solve my problems. If only my wife or my husband would change, well, that, that'd be, all my problems would be washed away. If, if, if my children, oh my gosh, then, then, then that would be, I would be content or whatever. If, if only I had different parents, my life would have turned out a totally different way. Your problem is not the people in your life. Your problem is your response to the people in your life. People are not the problem. And, and by the way, they're not the answer either. Uh, the answer to your insecurity is not another person. The answer to your inferiority is not another person. The answer to your, your worries or your fears or, or, or your depression or your despair or your discouragement, your sense of failure, is not another person. The answer is, and it always will be, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Isaiah 2, 22, you should stop trusting in people to save you because people are only human there is only one Savior, and his name is Jesus. Jeremiah 17, 7, blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made him, not other people, have made him their hope and confidence. Isaiah 49, 23, anyone, everybody say anyone. Anyone who trusts in me, that's a promise. Anyone who trusts in me will not be disappointed. Wow. Wow. I want to encourage you today to look beyond the disappointment and instead of griping and complaining and worrying, try accepting that God knows what's best and he has an awesome plan for your life. My third trap that I want to talk about today is the persistence trap. When I'm backed into a corner, guys, will I keep my commitments? Will I keep my commitments? Life is about making commitments. Your life is shaped by your commitments. Your, your, your character is developed by your commitments. Your, your, your success is influenced by your commitments. Your, your, for goodness sakes, your eternal destiny is determined by your commitments. So choose your commitments very wisely, very carefully. Heaven or hell is in the balance. Listen to me. You become, listen, you become whatever you're committed to. 
You become whatever you're committed to. The problem is most people are half committed to about a dozen things. The trademark of emotional and spiritual maturity is that you make and you keep wise commitments. You make and you keep wise commitments. Uncommitted people can be described as selfish and immature. And immaturity shows itself in in the inability to make and keep commitments. No commitment that really matters, that really matters is easy. They're all hard if they're important. Some of you here today feel like you're in a a no-win situation, that you're trapped in a commitment. And I want you to listen to me very closely. Your marriage vows are being tested. Is it really going to be death until death do us part? Am I going to keep that vow or am I going to walk out on it? Some of you are having your personal integrity question. I, I know the right thing to do, but, but I'm going to do the easy thing. I, I'm going to do the convenient thing. I'm going to do the popular thing at school or at work. Your character is surrounded and under attack. Ecclesiastes 5.4 says, If you make a promise to God, don't be slow to keep it. God is not happy with fools. It's his word. So give God what you promised him. And I want to ask you the question today, what commitments have you made to God that, that for whatever reason you've failed to follow through on? Maybe is it talking to God on a regular basis every day? Maybe is it, is it tithing? Is it serving? Is it sharing Christ? Ecclesiastes 8.5 says, the wise man will find a time and a way to do what he says. The weak person cops out. The, the weak person says, you know what? I made this commitment, but I don't know. I, I don't know. Weak people give excuses all the time. All the time. They're excuse makers. I'm telling you this because this is one of the major traps that we, our society is in today. People give up. They give up. They give up too soon. They make a commitment and they give up on it. They have an issue. They made a commitment. They have an issue. And it's, oh, man, I can't handle this. Oh, man, I don't deserve this. And they walk. I, I, I can't afford to tithe, but I'm, I'm surrounded by financial debt right now. So, so they walk out on that commitment. I can't afford to, to do the right thing at work because if I do, I'm going to lose my job. I, we are so fixated. We are so focused on the trap. We're so focused on what we're seeing right in front of us. We're so focused on, on that, that, that struggle or that, that issue in our life. We can't trust. We can't see what God's up to. The Bible says in Psalms 15 that God blesses the person who keeps his vows, even when it hurts. My last trap today is the priority trap. Now, this is probably one of the most important ones seems to pop up all the time. And and we all get trapped with this question, right, of of who's going to be first in my life or what's going to be first in my life. And this is a big deal to God. He wants you to see things way different than than the way that we normally see things. Matthew 6.33 says, Your heavenly Father already knows 
all your needs and he will give you all you need from day to day. Is there anything else I need to read? He already knows what you need and he's gonna give it to you. There's one big word here. If. If. Everybody say if. If you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Everybody say primary. Your primary concern. Guys, we're all out working hard tails off to get ours. And I, I, I know that that's a fact, but there are some things, legitimate needs in our life, whether they're physical or emotional or relational or whatever it is, they're legit and they're real. God has promised us through his word to meet every one of those needs, every one, if, if you put him first, in your life, in all areas of your life. I think that's a really cool promise. I'm going to tell you something. Talk is cheap, though. It don't cost us anything. Like we say, Jesus Christ is first place in my life, and saying that means zero. Saying it means zero. It means nothing. It's easy to say. It's easy to say. So how do we know if God is really, <clears throat> if he's really first priority, first priority in life? I want you to think of three questions. I want you to, to take note of this. Three questions that you need to ask yourself. The first one is, what do I think about the most? What do I think about the most? Whatever, whatever you think about the most tends to actually become the most important thing in your life. Second thing that I want you, second question, where does my money go first? Where does my money go first? Okay, the Bible says that where your treasure is, your heart will be also, all right? Trusting God isn't what I do with the money that's left over. Trusting God is, is what do I do with the money first? That's trusting God. A third question. How do I spend my time? Show me your calendar. Show me your calendar and I'll tell you what's really first in your life. The way that you spend your time, the way you spend your money, the things that you think about the most, that's what's, I don't care what anything else or what anybody else says, that's what's primary in your life. In every one of these traps, every one of these trials that I just talked about, regardless of what it is for you, it's staring you right in the face today. Just like it was for Elisha's servant on that day. And all you can see is the enemy looking you square in the face. All you can see 
is that struggle. All you can see is that issue. All you can see, that's all you can see. But I don't want you to miss this next part, okay? This is, whatever you've got on your agenda today, whatever you've got on your mind, I'm asking you, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to clear your mind just for a moment. Because this, what I'm about to tell you, is what God wants you to hear today. So I want you to clear out. I don't care what you're doing this afternoon. It's going to be fun. But whatever it is, don't think about that right now. I want you to think about what I'm, going to, I'm about to read to you. I'm picking up the story of Elisha again. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, I want you to hear the first words that Elisha tells his servant when all he can see is that struggle is that issue, is what he's surrounded by. Here's what he says. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Guys, if, if, you're, if you're in a situation today, God's telling you, don't be afraid. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you're going through. But don't be afraid. God's telling you, don't be afraid. Well, well, why? Why is he telling us this? Now, I want you to listen what he tells this servant. He says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Uh, Elisha, I'm not sure what you're drinking. It's, it's me, and it's you, and it's all the army. What are you talking about? There's more with us. Elisha says, no, 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 there's... there's those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now I want to read verse 17. And before I do, I would like for you to stand. <clears throat> Again, we're at the point where God wants to, to, to share something with you today. Please keep your mind right here. I know we're standing. It's a different thing. You might have some things you want to share with your neighbor, whatever. Reserve them just for a minute, okay? I want everybody's eyes closed and your heads bowed, if you would, please. Verse 17, and Elisha prayed. He says, open, Elisha's talking about his servant, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And if you're here today, and all you can see in front of you is the enemy, that you're surrounded, I pray the same thing for you. Lord, open your eyes. Open your eyes. Open your eyes so that they may see who's really surrounding them. 
Not, not what the natural sees, but who's really surrounding them. And then he says, then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and the servant looked and he saw. And what did he see? He saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Listen to me today. You need to understand something today. When you put your trust in God, there's much more going on than what meets the eye. When you trust God, the unexplainable occurs. Verse 18 says, as the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Verse 19, Elisha told them, this is not the road, and this is not the city. You're barking up the wrong tree. This is, you know, uh, not the guy, okay? And he's right here. Uh, Move on. No, he says, follow me, and I will lead you to the man that you are looking for. And he's standing right in front of him, right? And he led them to Samaria. Now, Samaria... Why is that significant? Samaria is like the headquarters, if you will, at the time for Israel. So he, and, and he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they can see. And then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside Samaria. Now, I want you to check this out. I don't care what you're going through right now, okay? I do, but you know what I'm saying. In the beginning of this story, the enemy was surrounding Elisha and his servant. I mean, it was sure death. And I want you to look now. Look now who's surrounded in this story. I want you to look down. Isn't that cool how God turns the tables for us? The enemy delivered right in the hands of the king of Israel. How many want God to do that for you? You can open your eyes. My father who was big into boats and big into swimming and um, uh, had bought a new boat. Um, He bought it like in the off season. And um, so it was really too cold, uh, Mike, to go out on the Mississippi in the time in which he had bought this boat. But my dad was so excited, he wanted to make sure he he got it out. He got this new thing out, and he wanted to ride it around, and, and, and he, wanted, he was so proud of it. Uh, John, like, you're proud of the pool that I haven't swum in yet. <clears throat> it's coming. You'll wake up in the middle of the night. What is that noise? Yeah. <laughs> no, but he, gets, he, he, he decides, I'm going to get it out. So, he, of course, he gets his mom and dad with him and, and, and my aunt and uncle, and they all go out on this new boat. And, then, and they go out on the Mississippi, and they've driven it around, and they've had a good time. And they finally, they pull up to the sandbar, 
and he gets as far up as he can, and he takes this new boat with his new rope and anchor, and he throws it out there. And in the Mississippi, it's such a strong current. If you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. You have to literally stand like this and dig your feet into the muddy Mississippi to keep from the, the current from blowing you over. And so he puts this anchor in, and he <clears throat> tightens it up pretty good so that the anchor's stuck into that mud. And um, then my mom and uh, all the rest of them decide that they're going to get out the front of the boat, and it's only water like this in the front, and they step out and they walk onto the beach and they're setting up for whatever. And my dad decides, I'm going to take a swim. And he jumps out the back of the boat, and as soon as he hit the water, the water was so cold, it, it took his breath away. And the great swimmer that he was, he began to drift into that current, and the current began to take him with this boat locked where it's at. And he hollers out at my grandfather, you know, uh, hollering out for help. Dan, you know what I'm talking about. And he's hollering out and, and, and there's nothing, his face is turning blue. His lips are turning blue. I mean, he's, 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 he's going to die. He's surrounded. He's trapped. Now my father, grandfather, little guy, um, big in spirit, he prayed, boy. Well, he heard my, my, my dad, and he jumps as fast as he can into the boat, and he's trying like crazy to get this anchor out, and he didn't know anything about boats, so he's trying to pull right, like he's locking it in more, you know? And all of a sudden, he begins to pray, God, you've got to help me. You've got to help me. And I kid you not, he takes this rope. I don't know what even make you think that you could do something like this. He takes this brand new nylon rope and breaks it right in half. Now I'm going to tell you something. My grandfather can't do that. But there was some kind of a hulk of an angel that was standing over him who took a hold of that rope for him and broke that rope and they were able to go rescue my father. You see, he thought he was trapped, but he couldn't see that there was an angel looking out for him. Another story, I, there's a, a, a missionary. He would travel around to different parts of the country, and he would help other missionaries. And these other missionaries, wherever it was, he was staying with them at their house. And so the pastor and his wife, they visited, they spent some time with them. Um, at their house, and they had dinner and all that kind of stuff, and then it was time for bed, and they showed him the guest room, and he went into bed. And throughout the night, the Lord impressed upon him. He said, I want you to go out on the porch. Wake up. I want you to go out on the porch, and I want you to sing Amazing Grace out on that porch. And he said, Lord, there ain't no way I'm doing that. That's crazy. These people are going to think I'm crazy. I'm not going to do that. So he puts it off. Goes back to sleep. The next thing you know, God's saying, no, 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 no. I want you to go up out on that porch, and I want you to sing Amazing Grace. And so he does. He gets up quietly, sneaks through the house, opens the door, goes out to the porch, 
And he sings, amazing grace, how sweet. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. I want you to sing it loud. And he's like, God, you know I can't sing. But here I go. And he says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, you see, but now I see. He tucks his tail, goes back into the house quietly, doesn't wake anybody else up. Goes back to sleep, and the next morning, sure enough, there's a ring at the doorbell, and he goes, oh, my God, please, no. And so, sure enough, <clears throat> the couple that owned the house go to the door, and it's their neighbor. And he says, hey, I know this is a crazy question, but was that you singing that song? He said, no, I don't know. What you, they're going, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And this guy who's like listening in behind the scene, behind the door, he steps up and he goes, it was me. I'm so sorry. He goes, no, no, no. He says, I was just about to take my life. And I heard about his grace. And he decided against it. I want you to know something today. That neighbor was surrounded by the thought of taking his life. But God called an audible. He called a different play and had a different plan. Elisha said to his servant, I want you to listen to me really close. He said, you see what? What, what is it that you see out there? I'll go, you better go look again, son. And I feel like I'm here today saying, what is it that you saw? What, what is it that you're seeing right now? You, you better go look again. You, you better go, son, you better, daughter, you better go look again what's really out there. What is it that you, that you really see? What is it that, that God wants? Listen to me today. Listen, listen, no matter what you see, no matter what you see, You've never been surrounded by anything other than God's provision in your life, than God's love for your life. Look again. Look again. What, what really surrounds you today. Look again. Don't look at the natural. Look what God's going to do for you, okay? Look what, zoom out for just a minute. Look through the eyes of the faith of God. What are you really surrounded by? 